This morning, I want to read some words from Psalm 137. It's not really a psalm that, that gets a lot of preaching. People tend to go over it because it's a messy psalm. It's a difficult psalm. And in our season of awakening and a hundred days of prayer, I want to entitle this, Awakened Through Tears. Listen now for God's word. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of your songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you speak to us through it this morning, and you change lives by your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we've been in lockdown for about a week. We have been homeschooling for a week. And that's been a week of jolly phonics, a week of trying to remember how to do long division without the calculator on my phone. That's going back 25 years and more. Uh, I'll admit I had to Google it. A week of learning about the life cycle of frogs and on our daily walk through the park, having a look at the frog spawn turning into tadpoles. A week of AQE prep. A week where we saw our first and hopefully our last homeschool detention in our house. I want to tell you, I have nothing but admiration for teachers at the minute. They, they get a hard time about the holidays they get during the summer. They deserve every bit of those holidays, my goodness. But you know the hardest part? was about Thursday, my, my two daughters, one's 10, one's 7, my two daughters turned to me at different times and said, I miss my friends. I miss my friends. And in their little voices, you heard the lament, you heard the heartbreak, you heard the grief. I miss my friends. This psalm starts, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept as we remembered Zion. The, the Israelites have been defeated by the Babylonian nation, the world power of that day. They have rode in and they have destroyed the city. They have destroyed the temple, which is significant because it's not just the bricks and mortar. The temple was the symbol of God's presence for God's people, the place of atonement, the place of worship, the place of forgiveness, the place where God dwelt. And that symbol of God's presence has been destroyed. Families have been torn apart. apart. Livelihoods have been lost. And the people have been carried into exile, into Babylon, into a foreign land. And one of the worship leaders has written this psalm, a song of lament as they remember what they have lost. And he says, we have hung our harps 
on the poplar trees because all around us is loss, all around us is grief, all around us is death. And we, we can't even bring ourselves to worship. Our hearts are so broken. There's so much talk from churches and church leaders at the minute about, about hope and about victory. And I, and I believe that. I believe God will bring us through this crisis. I, I believe it with all my heart. But this morning, this morning, just for a moment, I want us to pause and I want us to lament. And I want us to be honest about the state of our own hearts. To acknowledge the loss of schools and that rhythm for our children of playing and education. The loss for our churches and the ability to gather together in this place and places like it to worship with our church family. The loss of, of sports. You can't go to Kingspan. You can't go to the Oval to watch those teams that we love. The loss of travel. The loss of shopping. The loss of running beside somebody who, who, who you run with once a week for years. The loss of having a cup of coffee with a friend and talking face to face without a screen in the way. The loss of the, the security and the natural rhythms within our NHS the loss to our economy. I think it's fair to say that, that every one of our hearts, the posture of our hearts, the tone of our voices are all shaped by a fear and an anxiety and a grief as we lament what's happening in our day. And in the midst of it all, just this week, the abortion act came into law and we lament. And so what I want to do this morning is just give you a moment in your, your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen, wherever you are, on your own or with your family, to pause. And either in silence or if you want to speak it out loud, just to say the thing before God that you are, that you are missing, that you are grieving, that you are lamenting, that you are scared about. Just speak it out loud now before God. We don't know how long this crisis is going to last. We don't really know the cost to our livelihoods and to our families and to our churches and to, to everything. Andy Crouch is a, he's an author. He, he reads culture well. In an interview just this past week, he, he said, the whole world's approaching COVID-19 like it's a blizzard. This storm has hit me to batten down the hatches, stay in, make sure everyone's got enough food, and it will pass. But he says, what if it's, what if it's actually the beginning of winter? And this season might last a bit longer than we're expecting. How do we prepare ourselves and our society for that? And then he says, but what if it's more than the beginning of winter? What if it's the beginning of an ice age? Not in terms of the longevity of it, but, but that when we come through this, when we come out the other side, our whole society, our whole culture, how we think and how we do life will have changed forever. An ice age changes the landscape. What if this changes the landscape forever? You see, 
friends, the thing with lament is it, it sifts our hearts. It deconstructs our value base. It causes us to ask questions about what really matters, about what is true. For years, the trajectory of our culture has been defined by, by radical individualism. I'm the most important person in the room, everybody thinks. I am who I feel I am. I'm the master of my own destiny. I get to decide what is true and right for me. That's what our culture says. Our culture has been defined by, by a hyper-consumerism. You are defined by, by what you have. You are made happy and whole by the things that you can purchase. They define you. They have authority over you. And our culture has been marked by a rejection of faith and religion. And we've seen that in the statistics of the falling numbers in the mainline church denominations. But you know what's amazing? We're only two weeks into this COVID-19 crisis here in Northern Ireland. And already we're seeing people's hearts being deconstructed because lament fuels longing. Lament fuels longing. We see in a culture of radical individualism a craving for community and for connection. People are desperate for, for intimacy and interaction with the people around them. We saw that on Thursday night when the doorsteps down streets and housing estates were lined with people cheering and clapping and supporting our NHS. You know, a, a massive part of that was out of sheer admiration for them. But, but somewhere in the background was this desire to, to be connected with other human beings for community. We've witnessed the death of consumerism. Shops have closed, closed, closed. You can only buy essential items. The realization that, that we can no longer consume our way to happiness and wholeness. So what is it that makes us happy and what is it that makes us whole if it's not the stuff that we have? Because God's Word tells us that God has planted eternity within the human heart. And what we're seeing in every sphere of society, in almost every person we come across, are, are honest soul-searching questions about life and death and eternal life, about fear and prayer, and questions of, is God real? Hearts are open. Friends, hearts are open. Friends, hearts are opened to the gospel in this moment that we are in. One of my friends who's not a Christian, we give him the link to last week's service on YouTube. He watched the service. He, he contacted me on Monday. He said, how do I share that with my non-Christian friends? They would never come to church, but they need to hear this. Hearts are open. People are searching. You see, as the ground beneath us crumbles, people are desperate for authenticity. And the answer is what the answer has always been, Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. He is the way to live. His life and his lifestyle show us the best way to be human, the best way to live. But he's more than the way to live. He's the way to God. Because when Jesus opened his arms on the cross, he died for the sins of the world, the sins of humanity. And he made a way for us to come to God and come to eternal life. Jesus is the truth. He is real. 
He is alive. And he is inviting you into friendship with him. A friendship that will last beyond the grave, beyond COVID-19, beyond what the future throws at us. And my question to you this morning is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the way and Jesus is the truth? Because when you do, when you ask him to come into your life, when you ask him to forgive you and make you whole, you discover that Jesus is also the life. And the life that he gives you is a life with freedom from sin and freedom from fear and freedom from the eternal power of death. All you have to do is turn to him and ask him. C.S. Lewis, the, the godfather of East Belfast, right here where we're standing, in 1942, he, he wrote down a statement in one of his books that, that is, is more prophetic than he ever realized at the time. He wrote, Satan will say, I will cause anxiety and fear and panic. I will shut down businesses and schools and places of worship and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. And Jesus will say, I will bring together neighbors. I will restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people to slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to rely on me and not their material possessions. In 1942, C.S. Lewis described the moment that we are living in today in 2020. What if, what if in the midst of something dying, something is actually being born. Skeptics are going to say to you, where is your God? In the midst of all this, where is your God? It was the same for, for the Israelites in Babylon in exile. Sing for us songs of Zion. Sing for us one of your, your songs to your God. Where is your God? The mockingness of the ridicule of the skeptics. And I will answer, and you should answer as well. He is at work in the self-sacrifice of NHS staff as they serve on the front lines, I've been blown away by the number who have come out of retirement, doctors and nurses, to step back in, stirred and called by something beyond themselves. I will answer, he, he is at work in the kindness and the generosity that we see between neighbors in every street and every community in this country. Just this week, Several of my neighbors have spoken into our garden and said, are you okay? Do you need anything? If you do, here's my phone number. I'm going to the shop. Can I get you anything? I will answer, he is with you. Right now, his Holy Spirit is with you. 
just where you're sitting, at your side, calming your fears, telling you that you are loved. You need only be still and know that He is God. Where is your God? He's at the cross, offering you forgiveness, offering you hope, offering you eternal life. You see, friends, our our response to our fears, our response to our grief, our response to our our lament and our response to to our doubts that come from within and come from from outside. Our our, our response is worship. It must be worship. It has always been to worship because we are a worshiping people. The psalmist knew that in Psalm 137. In in the place of of grief and brokenheartedness, in the place of, of doubts and skeptics and ridicule, he says, and listen to this, He says, how can I sing the songs of the Lord while here in a foreign land? But he says, if I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. He's talking about playing the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. He's talking about singing worship songs and praying and crying out to God. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider you my highest joy, Don't let me forget how to worship, he says. Don't let me forget your presence, your goodness. Don't let me forget you. So wherever you are this week, whether it's a hospital corridor or at the homeschooling table or in a lonely house or even at a graveside, I want to encourage you as people of faith. I want to encourage you to take your fears and to take your doubts and to take your struggles and to take your lament and to acknowledge that, that yes, they are real, but with tears in your eyes to close your, your hands around them, close your, your fists around them. And in an act of defiance, make a, a, a mental decision, a heart felt decision to say these things may touch my life and these things may shape my life but they will not define me they are part of my present but they are not part of my destiny and begin to pray pray come holy spirit come and move in these times come and empower your people to rise up with hope and compassion come and heal the sick Come and heal this land. Come and stop this virus, Lord. Come and reign in this place. Come and show this nation that you are God. Worship the God who rescued the exile. He heard their prayers and he brought them back to Jerusalem and he rebuilt the temple. Worship the God who conquered the grave through his son, Jesus Christ, who, yes, he was crucified, but three days later, he rose up because death does not have the final word. Worship the God who says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. 
Worship the God who said death and sin will not define you. Worship the God who said, I am and I will make all things new. Church, we are a people of faith. We are a people of hope. We are a people of love. Let's pray together. Lord, we turn to you and we trust you and we ask that you strengthen our hearts and that you strengthen our faith and you embolden us to have conversations about you with our family and our friends in these days. Help the world to see their need for Jesus, Lord. Help the world to see their need for Jesus. Awaken hearts and lives to their need for a Savior. And if you're watching, if you're praying this morning with us and you're not a Christian and you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, pray this prayer with me now. Jesus, I believe in you. I, I still have questions, but I want to turn to you now. My life's not perfect. Forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross to take away my sins. Forgive me and make me your child and send your Holy Spirit into my heart now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.